0: Chapter 8 this evening, Victory After Defeat. I've mentioned a number of times recently that one of Satan's best tactics is to isolate you. We're on a battlefield. If he can isolate you in battle, he can defeat you. And we need to turn the tables on that this evening, and we're going to do that in Joshua chapter 8. Uh, Joshua and the children of Israel suffered a terrible defeat in Ai. Uh, they were not walking in the spirit. They did not seek God's guidance. They didn't seek God's help. And they went against a, a small little battle, small foe. Should have been an easy uh, easy defeat for them. But they did it in the flesh and there's nothing easy in the flesh. They suffered a huge defeat. Joshua was very upset. Goes to the Lord. What in the world is going on? And the problem is, he went to the Lord after the defeat. And he should have gone to the Lord before the battle. And so he's going to learn a valuable lesson. In chapter 8, he is going to show us what it is, what God can do in your life after you've suffered a great defeat. If you'll let him. Satan wants you to think you're the only one that's ever been defeated. That's that isolation. He wants you to think that you're the only one that has lost a battle with the flesh. That you're the only one that succumbed to a temptation that seems to be easy. It should be an easy foe, but you've been defeated over and over and over again. And Satan wants you to think you're the only one that's ever happened to. And God put this in the, in God's Word to show us you are not the only one. You are not the first one. You will not be the last one. But there is hope in the, in the Word of God and following God. Let our young people be dismissed for Children's Bible Time. Second grade on down. Children's Bible Time, Mr. Frank. And let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you give us second chances and third chances. And Father, I'm sadden this evening in my own life that sometimes I'm very hard-headed and we as Christians are hard-headed and hard-hearted and we have to learn a lesson over and over and over again before we get it right. Father, I pray that we pay attention this evening and we would take encouragement that we are not the first, we are not the last, and that after great defeat there can be victory and I pray that we would be students of victory this evening and take away a challenge that will help us tonight and this week as we fight the battles of the Christian life. We know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Father, tonight we confess that many times we try to fight those battles, those spiritual battles in the flesh. And I pray, Father, this evening we'd be challenged to walk in the Spirit. Speak to our hearts tonight. For that person who is here or listening that does not know you as their Savior, trying to get to heaven on their own, it's not going to happen. I pray that they would come to realize that they are a sinner and that Jesus Christ provided the solution on Calvary's cross. Take humility to kneel there. May we be reminded tonight as Christians that it takes humility to kneel at that cross and to get victory. Help us to do that as Joshua did. Give us a victory, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I mentioned a glaring question for 2023. How often do you engage in battle? The answer would be daily. The second part of that question is, without seeking God's direction. It's easy to say, to look at Joshua and to look at these chapters and say, Joshua should have sought God's direction before he went to the battle of Ai, but he did not, and to be critical of him. But again, the question, how often do you go into battle, and that answer is daily, without seeking God's direction? How many times do you get up in the morning, get in your car, and engage the transmission, and head down the road without seeking God's direction. And We wonder why we have defeat throughout the day, but we have not sought God's direction. Israel failed to seek God's wisdom, failed to seek God's direction. And they lost against a fairly easy opponent. And you think about the flesh that you fight every day, and you look at those things, and they're little things, and you say, that's fairly easy, I should be able to resist that. I mean, it's just a cookie. But you've eaten three containers of them before the day is done. It looks fairly easy. But it's a struggle. Christians, in 2023, Christians are failing to seek God's wisdom and direction. And Christians are routinely failing to win the battle. Chapter 8 is learning from those losses. Chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Now, what leads us into chapter 8 is chapter 7. Chapter 7, Joshua again got on his face before the Lord and said, what in the world's going on? Why have we been defeated? Why have you left us alone? Uh, this is a terrible thing. And God said, "Hey, you've got sin, and I'm not going to bless you with sin. And you need to take care of the sin. Israel has sin, and that they have taken of the accursed thing. You got to get rid of the sin. And so they they went. They did. Now they went uh, tribe by tribe, uh, family by family, uh, man by man, until Achan was identified. The sin was identified, and it was dealt with. And now we're into chapter 8, and God says, Now you've dealt with sin. Now you've sought my faith about what to do. If, if Joshua would have said, Lord, we're going to battle against AI today, um, is, is, that, is that a good thing or not? God would have said, No, it's a bad thing. Oh. It's a bad thing. Yep. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. Go deal with it. God could have told him before. God would reveal it before if we asked, uh, but he didn't, so we're here. Joshua dealt with it. The sin has been taken care of. It's been put from them. They've gone before the Lord. They sought His face, and God said to to Joshua, "Fear not; neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and the and his people and his city and his land. Thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey." For yourselves. It's interesting. Satan wants you to take things now. If Achan would have waited, he could have enjoyed the spoils. But he took things out of God's timing. We'll talk about that in just another moment as well. And so God just tells him to lay an ambush for that. And Joshua rose, verse 3, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. Well, as you recall, in chapter 8, the children of Israel went against Ai. Uh, they they sent a group up that should have been able to conquer the city, and they couldn't. Ai chased them. The men died. They lost their lives. And Ai chased them. So uh, they are going to use this to their military advantage. The fact that the people of Ai have been accustomed, they they know that they turned uh, Israel back. And they are confident that they can do that again. So, Joshua is going to send a group to the front. He's got a, he's got a, a group waiting in lie, in, in ambush, behind. And he's, they're going to approach the city, and the people of AI, they're going to engage in battle. Israel's is going to turn tail and run, as they did before. The people of AI are going to be encouraged to say, ha, 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 we got him. And, and that's what happened. And all the men, all of them, from AI, Emptied out of the city and gave chase to the children of Israel. They're going to lay in an ambush. And verse 4. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city, go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us, as at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, they flee before us as at the first, therefore we will flee before them. <clears throat> then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be when ye have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire. And they did. Verse 10. Uh, Joshua rose up early in the morning, numbered the people, and they're going to they're enact this plan. Getting up early in the morning is a, is a good thing. <clears throat> And verse seventeen, drop down there. So the ambush is going on. It it falls out just as you saw in the first eight verses. They approach the city. The people come out. They turn tail and run. They're given they're given pursuit. The ambush comes in from around. They go in the city. They burn it with fire. And there was not a man. Verse seventeen. There was not a man left in Ai or or Bethel. And went out after Israel. And they left the city open and pursued after. Israel And the Lord said unto Joshua, stretch out the spear that is is in thine hand toward Ai. So Joshua is leading this group that has turned tail and run. And now the, the, the men in ambush have gone in the city. They set it on fire. Now Joshua stops and his troops stop and they turn around and they engage in battle. People of Ai look behind them. They said, well, this isn't, the way. this isn't supposed to happen this way. They're supposed to keep running. We're supposed to win. They're supposed to be in defeat. The and they turn around and they see their city is inflamed. And they realize that they're in deep, desperate trouble. And so they turn. Verse 20. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven. And they had no power to flee this way. Couldn't go back to the city. Or that way, they couldn't go forward. The people that fled to the wilderness turned back, children of Israel, turned back upon the pursuers. Verse 26 tells us, Joshua drew not out his hand back, wherein he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Listen, that is so important, to utterly destroy all the works of the flesh. Don't keep anything back. Don't think, hey, you know, I'm going to keep most of the things back. Saul got into trouble. kept heart back, didn't follow God completely, didn't utterly destroy, and that came back to haunt him. God promises victory, but it's got to be done God's way. Verse 27, only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for prey unto themselves, according unto the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. And Joshua burnt Ai with fire. And verse 29, the last phrase, they raised there on a heap of stones that remained unto this day. That's very similar to what they did over Achan in the previous chapter, last week. They identified Achan, they identified his sin, they, uh, he, he and his family were stoned, they raised a heap of stones, and again, the, the custom, when you would walk along that way and you'd say, you see that heap of stones over there? And Achan's underneath that because he sinned against the Lord. And and, the, and they would have their family, their children o, over the years. They would pick up stones and, and put it on that heap. AI is going to be the same reminder. They come by AI. You're going out for a walk with your with your children, maybe with your grandchildren. Maybe you fought the battle. And The children say, "Ma'am, Dad, Granddad, what's that? What's that heap of stones?" Well, let me tell you about that heap of stone. Matter of fact, pick up a stone. So I tell you about the heap. And they could re, they would review. There was sin in the camp. AI. Uh, happened, and as a result of Achan's sin, there was a penalty that had to be paid, and Achan lost his life, and that's Achan's uh, pile over there. But then God gave us the victory because we got things right and made things right, and de- and determined that we were going to live in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. And AI is a is a symbol of the flesh, and so take this stone and throw it on that heap of stones. It was a good reminder. Uh, That God gives a victory after great defeat over an easy appointment. Uh uh easy appointment. And God gives but but in order for that to happen, Joshua had to make a positive change. So tonight I want you to make a positive change. I want you tonight, as Joshua said, from from this point on, every morning when I get up, I'm gonna ask for God's help. When I get behind that car, that routine thing of getting into traffic, I'm going to ask for God's help. I'm going to ask for God's direction. When I'm coming home at night, and and sometimes home can be a place of conflict. And it shouldn't be, but sometimes there is conflict. And when I come home at night, I'm not going to walk in in the flesh. When I get in the driveway and I put the car in park and I turn that car off before I get out of the car and walk inside I'm going to ask for God to help me have right responses and kind responses. Now, I know your families are perfect, but the family I grew in was not up in was not perfect. And my mom would say all day long, she would say, uh, Dad, Dad, Dad left you tasks to do today on the cupboard. And they're there, and, and we would wait. Until Dad was coming down the road a mile away. And then we get the lawnmower out and start mowing. Now, it's hard to do three acres of lawn in in uh, seven minutes. It's just hard. Well, not even seven minutes. It's just hard to do that. But, man, we did our best. I mean, we we got a whole hundred trips done. Dad would just walk in the driveway. And h- here he's coming home. What is he coming home to? A Christian home? Yep. Uh, Mom and Dad love the Lord? Yep. They go to church? Yep. But uh, what is there? There's conflict. Why? Because there's a child. Uh, that was disobedient and uh, didn't do what he was supposed to do. Had all day long to get it done. And said dad would just step out of the car. He'd point to me and he'd point to the woodshed. And uh, we'd, we'd go have, uh, apply a board of education to the seat of knowledge. And <clears throat> and uh, hopefully I, I learned a lesson. <clears throat> Start mowing earlier. Hopefully. <clears throat> Mrs. Bishop will tell you she, she probably should have spanked me a little bit more. How many times? How many times you've been defeated by that old sinful nature? And again, the, you cure it pretty simple. You're going going back to basics. Ask for ask for God's help. God's not going to give you His help if you don't ask for it. But those things, those routine things, a, a, a simple thing as in coming home, we need God's help. But in order to get God's help, you've got to make a positive change, and that positive change is to ask. You Get up in the morning, when you get in the car, when you arrive at the office, before lunch, after lunch, before afternoon meetings, before how are, how often are we supposed to pray? Praying always with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. That's pretty, pretty clear. But we don't, and then we suffer defeat, and we go to the preacher, we go to the Lord, and we say, why don't you love me? Oh, that woman you gave me, or that husband you gave me, or those kids you gave me, they are impossible. But you didn't ask for God's help, and God just says the same thing to you that He says to Joshua in the preceding chapter, you don't have my help because you he didn't ask for it. And I could have helped you avert that, but you didn't ask me, so you want to go it on your own? Go it on your own, but you're, it's not it has not didn't end well yesterday, and it is not going to end well today. You Listen, you do not have to live in defeat. But if you choose to live in defeat, God's not going to stop you. He's not going to stop you. In Ai, God allowed them to take the spoils. We mentioned that in uh, in, in verse 2. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. And again, eh, uh, Achan could have had that. Achan could have enjoyed those spoils, but he wanted them early. Um, Young people, will you listen to me for a second? Satan says, take it now. Satan says, take the fruits of marriage and take them now. And God said, don't take them now. Wait. And Satan, the flesh screams, now, now. And and God says, wait, wait. God's Word says, wait, wait. The preacher says, wait, wait. The Sunday school teacher says, wait, wait. But you're going to take them early and it's not going to end well. You're not going to end well. Don't take them early. Don't take the fruits of married life before you're married. Don't do that. It's not going to end well. It hasn't ended well for others. If only Achan would have waited, he could have enjoyed this. And we could give that title to the chapter. If only Achan would have waited. That's a great message. Wait on the Lord. But the flesh screams, I want it now. And now only brings sorrow. Our country is going to experience that. We want it now. We just print more money. And we laugh about it. huh just print more money. Or you have anything you want. No, you can't have anything you want. At some point, it's going to come crashing down. It's going to come crashing down for your family, financially. Satan says, have it now, have it now, have it now, have it now, have it now. The Spirit says, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And you get it now. At some point... Uh, you look at the the numbers and in the, the newspaper credit card debt is running through the roof people can't pay the, pay their debts and it that's going that house is going to come crashing down the civil war general ambrose burnside known as sideburns the battle of the crater i visited that several years ago uh, a friend of mine pastored a church that was Crater View Baptist Church. I'm not a great Civil War historian, and so he he invited me down. They were having a conference. I preached on a, on a Monday night, and I still remember the message that I preached. And he said, come down early, and uh, uh, you can take me out to lunch. And I said, okay. And and uh, he said, we're going to go up to the crater. And I thought, Crater View Baptist Church, and it may be an asteroid or a meteor hit out front of the church, and they called it Crater View. And so we're standing out in front of the church, and I said, where's the crater? He said, Seriously? You don't know about the Battle of the Crater? I have no idea, but he, he, here we go. So he took me around the battlefield and uh, took me where uh, they tunneled underneath and, and where the soldiers climbed up uh, uh, through the, the, the crater and got embroiled in uh, the, the, the loose dirt and how uh, there, it was a big, it should have been a great success, but it was a great failure. President Lincoln relieved General Ambrose Burnside Of his command shortly thereafter. Abraham Lincoln gets the credit for the following quotes. Only Burnside could have managed such a coup. wringing one last spectacular defeat from the jaws of victory. But uh, Lincoln didn't actually say that. Uh, This one is is, uh, uh, afforded to uh, President Lincoln as well. And he said this about... General Burnside. So versatile in his stupidity as to defy categorization. Uh, President Lincoln is attributed to that as well. But he didn't say either one of those things. That may be what he was thinking or feeling. But the author, Charles Fair, in doing the research for his book, wrote both of those quotes that have... Lincoln now has become famous for, but that is actually the opinion of the author as he studied President Lincoln's response to the great defeat at Crater. And you can, go, you can go visit that. And as you visit that, I want you to think of this. So is the Christian that walks in the flesh. A Christian that walks in the spirit it might be your mom, it might be your dad, it might be your Sunday school teacher, looks at you and says, only, put your name in the blank, could have managed such a coup, wringing one last spectacular defeat from the jaws of victory. Only that Sunday school kid who continually walks in the flesh could possibly continue to walk in the flesh and suffer defeat. Only that child who is disrespectful to his parents could not learn from that lesson and be disrespectful again and pay the price. Listen, you've been in juvie, juvenile detention, you've been in uh, you've been in timeout. you've been sent to your room, you've had things taken away, and you do it over and over and over and over again. Why not, why not walk in the Spirit? So maybe your parents could say this, so versatile in their stupidity as to defy categorization. I'm sure there are some parents that feel that way. So, do, so kids, stop doing it. Stop doing the things over and over again that get you in trouble with mom and dad. Stop doing the disobedient things over and over again that get you in trouble with your teachers at school. David would come home to me and he'd say, Dad, that that teacher has single woman syndrome. Explain why he couldn't get along with a female teacher. And my response as a parent back to him would be, you best learn to get along with that single gal because you're going to be working for single women the rest of your life. And uh, every time he comes up with a, with, a, with a female boss that is kind of hard to get along with, he calls me up and says, Dad, thanks for helping me to learn that lesson. And you can fight that, and it's, it's gonna, you're going to get a bloody nose. Bloody nose is not, not a pleasant thing, a broken nose. But God, in spite of those defeats tonight, you think about what you've done in the home Think about what you, the disrespect that you have had towards your parents. And you think, but the difficulties you've had adults in having success in the home or in the workplace or in your endeavors of life. In spite of that, God will give you victory if you'll respond in humility you bow your knee and bow your heart and say, God, I've been so versatile in my stupidity as to defy categorization. Is there hope for me? And Joshua 8 tells us, again, yes, there is hope for you. God will not cast you aside. He will give you another chance to make things right, to do it in the right way. But you're going to do it in God's way or you're going to suffer defeat again. So the question is, from verses 3 through verse 17, this this is God's plan. This is how God laid it out. We know from reading the successive verses that Joshua did exactly what God told him to do. That's the question. Will you enact God's plan? Will you do what God has told you to do exactly how God has told you to do it in his word? Will you do that? If you do that, you'll have you'll have a victory. If you will not do that, you will suffer defeat. If you em- and the alternative is instead of embracing God's game plan, is to embrace Satan's game plan. And I just tell you that Satan's game plan brings sorrow. It brings defeat. It brings traffic tickets. It brings criminal charges. It brings trips to the to the county jail. And and that's not fun. And listen, if you decide to go that way, you will not be the first one in my 30-year tenure here that has decided to go that way. And uh, sadly tonight, you will not be the last one that goes that way. I know the routine to get into the Fairfax County jail. As a pastor, not as an inmate. Well, I know the routine as an inmate too. If you want to go that way, I don't have to. I don't have to look it up. I don't have to research it. If you came to me tonight and said, "Hey, uh, pastor, uh, I have a loved one in Fairfax County Jail. Will you go there?" I yeah, absolutely. This is what you got to do. You got to do this, 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 and this, and this. Now, get, 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 get your loved one to get the get the chaplain to send me an email, and I'll send my. Uh, my my packet back because every once in a while, every so many months, in order to get back in, I have to be recertified that I'm not a that I'm not a criminal a thug coming in to uh, mess mess up the jail. They got to do a background check on me, and make sure I've stayed clear. I've got to send the letter from the deacons that says yes, he's still a pastor in good standing, and I send that send that off to uh, the jail, and they'll say okay, you're good to come in again, and I, I can walk in there, show my license and my business card. And I walk in, walk into the jail, walk, walk behind. Well, get to sit across the desk, not talking through a glass on a phone. Sit face to face. I can do that. I I know the routine. Because people have chosen over the years that they're going to walk in the flesh. You decide to do that, I'll be glad to come visit you. Takes me a while to get in, takes me a while to get out. It's not a pleasant experience. You want to go state? I can tell you the I can tell you how to get into the state facility. Uh, without, why? Because people have chosen to go that way. And I've been in many of the best state prison facilities that Virginia has to offer. You will not be the first, you will not be the last. It is absolutely painful. It takes the entire day. The time I get in my car and drive down there, it takes me 45 minutes to go through the intake. It takes me probably a 45 minutes to an hour to get from the front desk going through the first security protocol, through the gate, through the chain links, through the razor wire, through several lock gates to meet the person to go to the back of the property to get to the room where you're going to be. And it takes me that long to get back out. At the end of the day, when I walk out, I go 7-Eleven for a cup of coffee and the death dog. I don't know what you're having for dinner, but I get to choose what I have. I get to choose where I go. Listen, you want to choose to live in defeat, you can do that. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to live in victory. And he gives a plan for victory, but you've got to follow it. You've got to embrace it. And only God's plan is going to work. If you're going to succeed successful, you've got to do it God's way, according to God's plan. When you neglect the spiritual areas of your life, you're headed for defeat. When you neglect that, you're headed for defeat. The question is, do you want the victory of Jericho or do you want the defeat of Ai? Do you want victory, your life to be characterized by victory, or do you want your life to be characterized by defeat? Do you want to be known as a man that gets victory Or do you want to be known as a man that suffers in defeat? Do you want your parents to say, or other parents to say, that's a man that you should be like? Or do you want them to say, that's a guy you should not be like, and I don't want you hanging around him? You choose one or the other. When you feed the flesh, and you ignore your spiritual needs, you will suffer loss. You will suffer defeat. You will suffer doom. battle with their flesh is not in your ability to say no. Last night they said, and this is coming from the Nancy Reagan era of drugs, just say no. And, and that sounds good on paper, and that's, but I'll tell you what, that's all the world has to offer. They don't have a spiritual solution god got a spiritual solution. You don't have to just say no. God will help you to say no. The Spirit will empower you to say no. And you are a Christian. You know Christ is your Savior. You have access to power that the world will never have. You can walk in victory. They'll never have complete victory. They're headed to a place called hell. Again, it is not in your ability to say no. Fill in the following phrase. This comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the... Be strong in the Lord. It doesn't say be strong in the flesh. Be strong in your ability. Be strong in your ability to say no. How about this one? This is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through, through Christ. So it's from the Lord. And it's Philippians 4.13 in Christ. How about this one? I, I quote this one a lot. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation taking you, but such is common a man. But who is able... God is able, God is able to give you the victory. God is faithful. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, my, my, my little children, you will overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he. And it's all about God. And it's all about God's power. And God will enable you to do that if you will follow him. And you can have victory even after defeat if you'll if you will just look to God spiritually. We're on Veterans Day. Here's a veteran. Uh, you go to the Marines. I'm sure the Marines can tell you about this guy. Uh, some guy by the name of Colonel Louis Chesty Puller. Yeah, the Marines know that guy. Hopelessly surrounded and outnumbered at the chosen Reservoir, Korea. He had few options and worse prospects. Surrender? No, that was not one of his options. Instead, he advanced. He advanced. He was surrounded. He was outnumbered. Uh, he was outmanned. He was outgunned. But he advanced on the enemy. And they moved. It was December 6, 1950. Polar and his Marines, it says, fought viciously. And they reached Hungman. They reached hungmen with their wounded they reached hungmen with their dead. They reached hungmen with their, with their armor, with their utility. And along the way, they inflicted heavy casualties on the Chinese. The campaign, America lost. This is what it says of Colonel Poehler. He was an unlikely success in a campaign failure. I'm just telling you, in this world today, you can be that unlikely success in a campaign of failure. You can, you can tell me about all the churches that have gone south. You can tell me about all the pastors that have walked away from the Word. You can tell me about all the Christians that have suffered defeat. You can tell me about all the young people who have gone off into sin. I'm here to tell you tonight, you don't have to be the next one. You can be the Colonel Chesty Poehler who says, I'm going to be successful even though the rest of the world is suffering defeat. I, my team, we're going to win. We're going to be successful. We're going to win this battle even though the entire nation of America is going to call this a losing campaign and we celebrate his victory to this day and we will celebrate your victory but it's only going to be in the Lord in God in his strength because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and God will enable you to do that look at verse 32 chapter 8 verse 32 this is an interesting little piece of this, kind of tacked on the end. It's interesting, a lot of uh, uh, fellows that write about this particular chapter in this passage don't address this last uh, this last paragraph. This is kind of neat. Verse 32, and he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and judges stood on this side of the ark and on that side before the priests and the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant, of the Lord as well as a stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, half of them over against Mount Ebal. And Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. That phrase right there ought to get your attention. In the margin of your Bible, I would encourage you to write what I have written, and that's, that's the reference to that phrase. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. We're not going to go and read those two chapters Because we'd be here till 7.30 and you don't want to do that. But those are two great chapters. When you go into the land and God gives you the victory, you take half the people over against Mount Gerizim and you read the curses. People that don't follow the Lord. And the half on this side, when you read those curses, they're to shout Amen. You take half the people over against Mount Evil. And when you read the blessings... Those people will shout, Amen. And the Levites are going to stand in the middle, and they're going to read that. That's chapter Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. Two great, great chapters that address this little thing, this little phrase, as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterwards, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings. Again, Deuteronomy 27 and 28. So here's what's going on in this in this phrase, and as you go back there, Mount Evil, Mount Evil means the Mount of Barrenness. Mount Evil was a ragged, ragtag, barren—if you allow me to say—God-forsaken place. You look at that and say, "Man, that's not a place I want to live." Mount Gerizim, on the other hand, was a beautiful wooded mountainside, just a very pleasant exciting place to be. And it overlooked that fertile valley. And the Levites stood in the fertile valley and they read this. And as they read the curses, the group on the barren side said, Amen, that's the way it is. No, we don't want to live that way. And he read the blessings. The group on on the other side would say, Amen. Yeah, that's exactly where we want to live. But I'll tell you, there's a valley in between. And you've got to make that choice you want to live a life of barrenness, God will allow you to do that. you want to live a life of spiritual victory, God will allow you to do that. I mentioned last week my parents celebrated 70 years of marriage. And that has not been without its challenges. Its challenges to this very day. But I'll guarantee you, you want to find out the secret to uh, living to be 95 years of age and... uh, (laughs) Uh, dad gets out there, uh, now he's, he's smart enough to know that he's a little unsteady on his feet. Now he's got his mind. But he knows that he's gotta have that walker. And so he takes his walker, and he goes out the door, and he gets to the car, and he gets mom, and gets her out to the car, and he still drives 95. Now he knows not to let go of that thing, because if he lets go of that thing, he's probably going over, toppling over. Uh, he takes that thing, and he heads, he heads down to, uh, the barn. And he gets out of the barn, takes his walker out of the car and walks over to the shed and fires up the lawnmower and still mowing that three acres of land uh, that I had to do as a teenager, still doing it. Uh, He's smart enough to do that, to to hold on. Uh, And you walk in How how do you, life is not easy for them. And he'll tell you, growing old is not for sissies. Growing old is not for sissies. How can you face that? And you're going to. And a man talked to me this week. He said, uh, Pastor, would you pray uh, that uh, God would give me my, my strength back and my youth back? And I looked at him and said, how old are you? He's older than me. I'm just telling you. He ain't coming back. It's not. It's going to get worse and worse. So how do you survive? You walk in my parents' home tonight. I'll guarantee you. Walk in the front door. The couch over here. Chair over here, on the couch is where my dad sits, and he's got his Bible out, and he's got his notes out. And you walk in that door and say, "Dad, what did you read from God's Word?" Let, let me tell you, and you better be prepared for the next hour, and don't, don't say, you know, I think you be quiet, you be quiet and listen for a second. I'm not done, I'm not done. And, and that's what I do. I go there and be quiet. And the kids say, Dad, why don't you ever say anything? You're a grandpa. I'm tired of grandpa saying, be quiet and listen. I'm not <laughs> done yet. <laughs> but he's in God's word. My mom, 90, 95 years of age, has is, is got some memory issues going on. But her chair, Dad, dad's couch is over there. Her chair is over here, facing the back window. So she can watch her deer and pray for the hunters that they can't find them. And the deer hide good. She sits in her chair. Next to her chair is her Bible. You go to the table. There's, in the morning time, my mom will be sitting there, and her Bible will open, and she'll be reading that. You want to know how to walk in spiritual victory when you're 95 years of age? You better start when you're 25, when you're 15, getting in the book. Because it's going to be a spiritual battle all your life, right until the very day you take your last breath. You want to know what's that like? You're, you can't travel to Michigan and see that. Go down to Lockheed Boulevard and walk into the home of Martha and Al Taverner. And Brother Taverner will talk to you about spiritual things. Because fighting cancer, what's the cure? What's the cure? Heaven. How are you going to fight that battle? It's right here. You don't have to travel there if you don't want to to walk around the room tonight and find men and women in the room who have lost their spouse. How do you, how do, you do that? And they'll tell you the only way they can do that is right here in this book. Because suffering loss is a spiritual battle. And only God can give them the victory to do that. And we have men in the room to, and women in the room tonight that fight that battle every single day. And you are not going to fight the battles of life and win without the Holy Spirit of God. You're not going to do that. But if you fight those battles in the Spirit, you can win. You can be successful, and God will give you the strength to go on for the next day. John Paul Jones father of the American Navy. Flagship, Bonhomme Richard, versus Her Majesty's Service, Serapis, HMS Serapis. The British commander yelled to John Paul Jones, Surrender! John Paul Jones uttered those fateful words, I have not yet begun to fight. British commander probably shook his head. Jones took his ship that was going to sink and ran the side of the Serapis, giving that thing a jolt and sending the sailors sprawling. At that same time, he had his sharpshooters on the ship and cleared the deck of the people on the deck. His men went across into the new ship. Claimed Her Majesty's ship as their own ship as they watched their ship sink. I have not yet begun the fight. Christian, you look at the flesh and say, to to that old devil, I have, when he says surrender, he says surrender your values, surrender your morals, surrender your character, just give up. You can't live the Christian life. You just look at him and say, Mr. Devil, sir, I have not yet begun the fight. And you open the manual. And God will give you the key to success. There is victory if you want it. There is victory if you will walk in obedience. You may have lost at Ai the battle of the flesh, but there is forgiveness in the Lord. If you want victory, lay an ambush for the flesh because God has a winning strategy. Listen, if you want to walk in lust, if you want to walk in anger, if you want to walk in bitterness, you want to walk in bit- besetting setting sin, and there's nobody in this room that's going to stop you. We'll try. We'll beg. We'll plead. But if you want to walk in the feet, you're going to walk in the feet. You want to keep walking around, sneaking around in the dark, dark shadows of immorality called the Internet? You can do that. But you don't have to. I just say you're messing around in devil's dangerous territory. You will not be his first victim and you will not be his last You'll just be his next. But if you want to defeat him, if you want to walk in victory, you can. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for including Joshua's defeat so that we can learn how to have victory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're a Christian here tonight. You've been walking in defeat, cowering in the dark shadows of the Internet, looking at things, touching things, feeling things, saying things, thinking things that are not spiritual, and you know it. Trouble in the home, and you know it. Do you want to have victory tonight? Do you want the preacher to pray for you? And I will. Say, preacher, God has spoken to my heart. Will you pray for me? Take your hand, slip it up, and I'll pray for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. In the balcony, I see your hand. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for young men and young women, older men and older women just desire to have the victory. And I pray that you give them the victory. They would walk in the spirit. They would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They realize that Satan's promises are a pipe dream. Nothing to be achieved but sorrow and misery and woe. Father, I pray that you'd help them to walk in peace, and victory, and hope for the future, that they leave here tonight, that they would have hope for the way ahead, and a plan from your word to make that possible. Father, I'm privileged to stand with them as they fight that battle. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here tonight. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Say, preacher, I'm here. I'm not a Christian. I can't battle the flesh because I don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. Preacher, would you pray for me? I need to be saved. I need to talk to somebody about salvation. I need that. Preacher, would you pray for me? And I will. And I will. Slip your hand up. Hold it up for just a moment. Let the preacher pray for you. Let's stand to our feet. This our head bowed. Head bowed, eyes closed. Piano is playing. The altar is open. You want to pray, you can do that. God bless you.